my thing about this town as it relates to music is that it is as good as the work that you put into it. And it is as good as the people who put themselves out there. This is Champagne is also a band podcast. One songwriter, one song. I'm Sven, your host for a journey into the music of Champaign-Urbana. Recorded in the Blue Box studio with a songwriter from the Champaign-Urbana music scene, past or present. Champagne is also a band podcast is proud to be a part of the Champagne Showers podcast network. Welcome to Champagne is also a band podcast. Today, I have Shannon Swords. And you may know Shannon from his solo work, Swords. He's a member of LBS and also Bubble Bubble Gum Gum. Today, we're actually recording in the library, library, (laughs) which is Harsh Prose Spot. So, Shannon, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you so much for having me, Sven. It's great to be here. Today, we're going to be listening to your song, Hell and High Water, off of the album Depth. So, without further ado, let's listen to the song. Drones. Find yourself in island, baby. 
Welcome back. So my first and favorite question to always ask is, what came first? Was it the music or was it the lyrics? You know, in this case, it was the music. Um, the okay. story of this song actually begins uh, many, many years before the song was ever recorded or written. And it started out with another song that I, and it's proper that we're doing this here, another song that I did in a band with Matt Harsh long, long ago. And it's kind of like a little D minor chromatic guitar part that I think is super, super generic, and I didn't feel that great about it when I first made it. It's on a mm -hmm. song called Slow Dance, and it was kind of like a uh, right. sort of thing. I did that in like maybe 2007, and then the band broke up, and we went our separate ways, and I always kind of had that little chord progression in my mind, and I've heard it used in a bunch of different things, and so... Fast forward to 2012. We we're desperately waiting for the end of the world that never ended up coming. And I start playing guitar again. And so I'm playing guitar and I really, really suck and I'm practicing all the time. And one day I come home from work or school or something that kind of made me angry. And I sit down and I'm trying to come up with like a riff. And I was like, man, I can just use that one shit over again. <laughs> so, right. so I came up with this riff that's kind of the same that went like, And I turned that into like a nice little rock beat. And that was the thing that I would practice soloing in the key of D minor. And that's gotcha. kind of what it was. So I started working on a new album. I was going through some life change stuff at the time that really put me into a good creative headspace and really kind of awoken my appreciation for rock guitar music. Mm, right. And I started gigging again and I started collaborating with a bunch of people. One of those people was the amazing champagne songstress Megan Johns. And we did a song called Depth, which was the title track on the album. And she came through and we recorded the song and it was all well and good. And afterwards we were sitting there talking. She was like, so what, are, what is your band doing for Pygmalion? And I was like, oh, this is very awkward. Bands like me don't get asked to play Pygmalion. Right. <laughs> like, and, and, and it's no slight against those folks because at the time, like hip hop really didn't have much of a place there. I was like, oh, yeah, that's not really my scene. And she was like, no, that's some bullshit. You are mm. playing Pygmalion. And then, like, then she didn't let it go for like a couple of weeks after the fact. Huh. She comes through to the studio being like, okay, I got a slot. I want you to do one song with my band because I think you should be part of this because I like your music. Right. And I was like, okay, cool. And she was, and so then I was like, well, what do you have in mind? And she's like, oh, I don't have anything in mind. What do you have in mind? Right. <laughs> so, so as a result, I was like in kind of like a panic because I wanted to get the gig. I needed something that would really hit. And I pulled up that solo over D minor guitar beat that I had right. been working with for a long time. I played it for Megan. She was like, oh yeah, that's great. Yep, we'll use that. I think maybe wrote some lines and then took the beat home with her and that was kind of the end of it. And so left me in the studio by myself kind of thinking about what I wanted to write a song about. One of the things I like most about this song is that it's one of the few pieces of music that I've ever done where I can really kind of 
pick out all of the little influences yeah. in it and the places where I like took like pieces from here or pieces from there. And I think one of the big influences at the time for me was That Snow Moon. If you remember That Snow Moon, their front person played like a Korg synthesizer, had like a really kind of high pitched, annoying emo synth band synth that went over it. And I was like, I want that annoying emo band synth. We're putting that uh -huh. in there. And yeah. so like I, I like kind of got down on the lab and was playing those little synth lines on it and I recorded some more or I chopped up the guitar solo that had already been recorded on there from the last time that I had practiced and yeah. the solo that is on there is is that same solo it was just okay. something that it was the last one that I had recorded to listen back to to kind of monitor my progress hmm. and so I just kind of did the Hollywood treatment on it and then sat down and started thinking about what to write lyrically trying to figure out like how best to express where Shannon Swords was at in 2012 and it's like where I was at with like being an adult where I was at being a musician where I was at being a lyricist where I was at being an MC and like a party rocker and where I was just at kind of like being part of like the bigger Champagne Urbana music scene. I would say that like the biggest lyrical influence on this song is actually Tom Waits the song Jockey Full of Bourbon. I really like that as a storytelling piece because it kind of tells like a story of like dystopian debauchery, but it's done in a poetic sense. None of it is literal necessarily. Mm -hmm. And it's just kind of giving you like brief images of things across the board and they change quickly enough that your mind only gets to process it for a split second. So when you get to the end of the song, you're left kind of with a mosaic as opposed to like a sequential story that you can sure. follow. And I think with this song, like there's a lot of pain, I think in the lyrics and there's a lot of angst and I think arrogance and entitlement that I had as part of who I was at that time. Sure. I was re-listening to it to do this podcast and all that really kind of came rushing back to me in a really cool way. It's kind of like when you get to have a conversation with your younger self. And that's what that song was for me at the time. It was me, an alternate Shannon talking to the Shannon that existed now about how I wanted to write a song. So like, for example, song starts out with a guitar riff, no drums, and it kind of has like a weak dubstep drop underneath it. Sure. <laughs> and so like one of the lines, stress with less sex, the doc saying bed rest, is me telling myself, you needed to quit fucking around with this music shit. Just go out, get laid, find someone and be happy for a little bit to right. get your mind out of the space where you're at right now. And there are just little pieces of that that come back into the music for me. For example, doing the Pygmalion show with Megan Johns' band, and she was playing with James Treckler at the time. So my line with the drums from the one who put the dirt in your feathers is a little shout out to the I dirty feathers. I was wondering if that was the dirty feathers, because I'm like, no, no, that's just that's just too perfect. You know, the funniest yeah. thing about it was is that to this day, James Treckler is the only drummer who's ever been able to play the actual drum part that I wrote for that mm, song. Like I've gotcha. had a lot of yeah, other yeah. drummers do it and they always do it their way and their way is great. But he was the one like he, he heard the tom fills and he really is surgical I think about how he plays oh. to begin with. James hits me as the type of person that has that analytical mind that can see like the whole picture of a song but also like the little intricacies. That's also probably what makes him such a great audio engineer. Audio engineer yeah. And actually I think of him as an audio engineer first and a producer and how he approaches music. 
music, you know. He's like one of yeah. those drummers who doesn't drum along with the song when he listens to it. He just sits there and listens to it. And so that was kind of like the basis for the music and the lyrics. I was looking for something that came from kind of a, a dark place, but also was like a period of gestation. Sure. And that's sort of how the song, how my, my vocal part ends out, is I say something like, headed west alone, bump a methadrone. And that's an homage to I think, the future that I actually ended up having, which is moving out to the West Coast and, yeah. uh, and listening to different music other than hip hop. Methadrone is a Brian Jonestown Massacre album. And at the time, their music was really influential to me in this project. And if yeah. you listen to the guitar stuff, that kind of like proto-punk, nasty rock guitar thing was like really central, I think, to the sound that I wanted to get at the time. Sure. I do a lot of sampling, and this is one of the few songs, this is my biggest hit, ironically enough. It is one of the few songs that I don't swear in at all. <laughs> right. So it's always clean for the radio, and I did all of the music on it, with two exceptions. Like, I played all the guitars, I played all the keys, I programmed the drums. The bass was actually done by Sarah Kramer. Episode and, 32. Uh, episode 32. And that was actually a move of, in protest on her part, because I had another bass line on there, and she was like, that bass line is not cutting it. <laughs> uh. I want to come in and play something. And she came in, and she cut the bass on it and I actually had completely forgot that that was an experience that I had in life until I was going up Wow. <laughs> you hit me as a person that is very specific about what you want in a song. How often do you get an opportunity to like hand over parts to see how you can enrich the song? That's sort of what I seek in life. I'm a solo artist solely because of circumstance more than anything mm. else. Like currently I'm one half of a rap group and I love that experience because A, I'm like 38 now and I don't have to do all the lyrics myself. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? But for me, I love collaboration. I love cool. being part of that thing. And, and honestly, like if my cards had fallen differently in life, I would probably be perfectly happy just being a dude in a band and not even the main dude in mm. the band, you know? Right. With good collaboration. like And Sarah's a phenomenal bass player, and so she oh, can yeah. come in and she really has a good ear for soul and a good ear for how to put that soul into a song. And that's kind of what I look for as a producer because the alternative is for me to try to put soul into it afterwards right. in the edit, you know? And, and that's something I can do too. But if it's right the first time and it jams the first time, then you right. don't have to do that, you know? One of my theories on songwriting and, and music production and engineering is that I really believe that there's only one result that is ever gonna come out in the end of it and the decisions that we make while we're laying stuff down are all on a path that will lead us to whatever that end result was meant to be and so like if there's a song like this one it started out with the only purpose of it being to solo over it in d minor <laughs> right for whatever reason people responded to it and i'll get to the reason why i think people responded to it oh okay megan's hook really ties the song together and in a way it's really indicative of my relationship with that human uh, mm. and we've been friends for a long time we were married for a long time like we've been through a lot together and our dynamic i think one of the very first things that she ever advised me was seek adventure. And I took that line and kind of thought about it for some months. And when I was coming to this song, I wrote the hook 
And I did it in like five minutes in the studio and she laid it down in 10 minutes. And so it was a good 15 minute operation <laughs> in right. total. And the cool part about it is, is that it is, she's singing through the voice of that alternate Shannon that sort of confronts yeah. the current one. Find yourself an island, give yourself a chance. Yeah. You know? So the one thing I like to think about is how the structures within a song actually function in pushing a story forward. So I find it fascinating that this song, verse-wise, the verse always seems, uh, I'm, maybe I'm overgeneralizing, but is, is a very aggressive, outgoing, trying to be a part of a scene, being finding something, be around other people, and yet there's the idea of you come back to the hook and the hook is all about, you know, find yourself an island, kind of like get yourself to be yep. by yourself, get yourself to kind of reflect on yourself. I find it fascinating when a hook is something that is the antithesis mm -hmm. of what the verses are, right? So that's kind of this, it's like, like the anti-breakdown, right? right? Like, you know, yeah. you know, I find it fascinating that it's just back and forth and, and very much like flipping a coin each time. And, and, and I, you know. You know, one of the things that's cool about that is that I think that that's what people responded to. When I played the song the first time for DJ Belly, who's been my DJ since the very beginning, but I played it for him and he was like, yeah, the thing about this song is it's that contrast of fast rapping, slow singing, you know? And, and that's kind of like one of the things I think that's cool about it in like the sort of meta version of events is that that's kind of me and Megan's personalities. We are very different people and we do clash in a lot of ways. And I think that that's the sort of clash that we were able to capitalize off of for this song hmm. because you know she is a, a quiet soft-spoken singer and i am a super loud annoying rapper <laughs> i keep thinking of like this the song the beat is burnt there's so many things where there's a harshness to it a little bit mainly just in the intonation of her voice but it's still very like soft the sound going around it is very aggressive mm -hmm. and like she seems like someone that functions in the in this gentleness that even in the middle of like chaos yeah so i i mean i guess yeah, I, no, in, no, in I, this I verse you, uh, in mm -hmm. the in the hook that's where she seems to function as well like there's chaos 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 and then all of a sudden she's almost like the sirens calling yeah. you to the calling you to the to the uh the the rocks. The, yeah. yeah, the rocks, yeah, right? I, I will be honest with you. I just wrote a song last week where I used that metaphor again. It's <laughs> not the first time. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, no, and, and I think that that's really one of the, the brilliances of this piece of music is that um, our young 27-year-old minds were able to pick up on that and capitalize on it to make a, a really great piece of music. To kind of put this in perspective, this was released November 1st of 2023. So, oops, I meant to say November 1st, 2013. You're getting pretty darn close to the 10-year anniversary of We are getting close to depth, the 10-year so. mark, and I think actually that we're going to be released on all streaming platforms, probably by the time this podcast comes out, sure. but it'll be on Spotify and so on and so forth. One of the notes that I took, you know, the verse, the verse hits me as like, what you want 
and then the hook hits as what you need. So it's like this. This. I mean, I don't know. You yeah, could you no. could say there's this whole yin yang thing about the the way that this this piece functions, right? So it it kind of goes back and forth between the two. But anyway, I I just yeah you no, know, I, 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 I wrote it down so I had to say it. I really <laughs> think that that is the the brilliance of, and it's really astute of you to pick up on that. Uh, the brilliance of this song is it is it is a song about what you want versus what you need. And I think that one of the things that I really needed at the time was a hit. Uh-huh. And this one hit. Right. Uh, the, just to finish out this segment. So the only time I ever heard this song on the radio, I was driving yeah. to band practice so we could rehearse the song for some gig that we had. And so I'm driving to band practice in East Central Illinois in like, I don't know, in like uh, June, maybe May, hard to say, but like tornado season. And yeah. so I'm driving along to band practice and whatever DJ on the Parkland radio station is like, here's Swords with Hell and High Water. And I was like, finally, the day has come. And it plays the intro chords and then it goes, bah, 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 bah. <laughs> this is a tornado warning. Uh. <laughs> so I got into band practice and I was like, yeah, I heard my song for like three seconds on the radio. Oh, oh that's so <laughs> Midwest. Oh, it was so funny. I have a few remaining questions sure. that I like to ask for sure. And I feel like maybe you've touched on this, but I also want to ask Certainly. specifically, yeah, go for it, what is your favorite part in this song? This is a song, uh, you can also you can also tell that it was a song that uh, became popular because I don't like listening to it anymore. That's yeah. also another telltale sign. My favorite part's the hook, you know? I really oh, yeah. love that vocal part, and I really love, on a personal level, I really loved the experience of getting to make that. Making a song for a specific purpose of uh, yeah. just getting out and playing Pygmalion. That was the first time I ever stepped on a Pygmalion stage. Uh, and I stepped on a few more before I left town. But like Megan's plan worked. And so I think that really when I listen back to it, it's that piece of poetry and how she delivers it that mm. really ties it together for me. I like my lyrics. I don't really like my guitar playing or my production on it anymore. Like I've, <laughs> this is 10 years in the past, so I have 10 years of experience now. <laughs> right. Well, and also, you know, it's fair to also point out that in between the time that this was released and now you went to the Blackbird Academy yeah. and, and learned all the ropes. And, well, maybe not and, all of the ropes. Well, but and, I, and I've worked as a professional audio engineer for the last 10 years right. and done X amount of products and projects and so on and so forth, you know. So that I think one of the things about it is is that it's it's a hard piece of music for me to listen to because of that kind of difference in time, but I think that it's a really awesome piece of music to listen to sure. for that too, because it is the diamond in the rough, essentially, yeah, yeah. you know? And every now and again, I kind of get a wild hair to try to like remix it or do something different with it. But mm. I think that for me personally, that whole album is a little piece frozen in time of when I was 27. Yeah. 28 a little bit. Sure. <laughs> you know? Sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Why did you pick this song to be the song you wanted to talk about today? You know, uh, I picked this song because I hadn't thought about it in a long time. Hmm. It was my biggest hit when I lived in this town. And it definitely was kind of my calling card for a little bit. I think that, I don't know, Smile Politely gave us like best song of the year. And then later on, they gave us best album of the year. And then I think they went back to just giving us best song. There were a couple of different, they made some different moves in there that I couldn't quite keep track of. But I think, you know, there's a certain amount of 
what is quintessential about my style as a songwriter that this song embodies you know Mm. i think that i as a person put on a hard front over a soft fuzzy interior and i think that megan's one of those people who picked up on that immediately Mm. and and i think that it kind of demonstrates that with along with kind of my mix of like dystopian flair and really noisy loud fuzzy staticky music like the music video for it we put a bunch of like vcr filters on it Uh and so on and so forth kind of like to make it fuzzy and gritty and dirty but within that is a really clean portrayal of who i was at that time in my life and i think that That's one of the things that you are blessed with as a musician and a recording artist is that you get to catalog all those. And like being a musician is the find yourself an island. That is the introverted work. That's the thing that you do on your own and you practice and then you present to other people. Sure. And I think that for me, I'm really lucky in being able to listen back to that and and go through all those moments of where I was at in my life. You know, it's sort of like an audio graphic collage or scrapbook or something kind of like that aside from that it's it's something that i don't really want to ever hear again is that it is maybe my first and last love letter to the champagne urbana music scene and i think that it's cool in that the influences that come in that come from that snow moon and the dirty feathers and dj belly and seth fine right. and megan johns and the invisible and Duckman and larry gates from curb service you know what i mean it's like yeah for me this song was kind of trying to show and prove to all of those folks that i could really throw something down and 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 i think when i dropped the album jeff brand over at exile was like i always knew you had it in you man <laughs> and i was like you sold my other records here and he was like i don't know they didn't sell per se <laughs> oh, but uh but but the thing that, that i think is cool about it for me is that it, it really is my homage to being part of uh, that musical community champagne is also a band podcast is proud to support jubilee cafe Jubilee Cafe is a free weekly meal program at Community United Church of Christ, 805 South 6th Street in Champaign, Illinois. Jubilee Cafe serves a home-cooked meal from 5 to 6.30 each Monday. Their mission is to feed hungry people by cooking healthy, delicious meals and by serving their guests restaurant-style with servers waiting on tables. Jubilee Cafe is open to anyone who cares to eat with them. Because food insecurity among students is so high, they serve students as well as others in and around the Champaign-Urbana community who struggle with hunger. Meals are free to all and will be served each Monday evening, located in the accessible lower level of the building at 6th and Daniel Streets in Champaign. For more information on the meal or how to volunteer, Go to the Jubilee Cafe CUCC Facebook page or email them at jubilee.cafe at community-ucc.org. That's jubilee.cafe at community-ucc.org. Welcome back. So, Shannon... Do you have a favorite Champaign-Urbana venue, past or present? Uh, yeah, and I got to go for the past and the present on this one. Oh. So my favorite place to perform back in the day when I performed here 
was the upstairs at Mike and Molly's. Mm. Because 50-person show there is like playing a 500-person show at High Dive. Like, sure. And it's hot and sweaty <laughs> and nasty. The last time I played up there, we did an encore, which is kind of rare at rap shows. Sure. Uh, and we were doing with a live band and stuff like that, but we did Sabotage by the Beastie Boys. Uh, oh. Shout out to Jake Metz for making us learn that for his <laughs> nice. uh, Urbana Underground performance. So we, we played sure. Sabotage and half the band were not familiar with the arrangement and we just rocked the shit out of it. It was about as live a crowd as that I have ever created with the sound of my own voice. So yeah. I would say definitely the upstairs of Mike and Molly's. And that's a venue actually that I think about a lot uh, yeah. when I reminisce on performing in this town. But my current favorite venue is obviously the Rose Bowl. Right. It's like the greatest venue of all time. Right. <laughs> you know, it's run by musicians. They do shows there all the time. I feel like I feel like that I have been critical of the Champagne Urbana music scene a lot in my life. I come from a long line of haters, so it makes sense to me that that's been sure. a part of it. But my thing about this town as it relates to music is that it is as good as the work that you put into it. And it is as good as the people who put themselves out there. And I think that that's really what makes a good music scene is people who are really willing to take the risk for art, for the sake of art itself, or the sake of writing, or the sake of playing guitar, any number of things that folks can do. And I think that the thing I love the most about the Rose Bowl is that the folks who are behind that are part of that same vision. You know, I saw them playing music at the Rose Bulls open mic long before they ever bought the place and turned it into yeah. the thing it is now. You know, when I was 10 years ago, when I was packing up to leave for Nashville, the two spots that I partied at the most were Iron Post and Rose Bowl, you mm. know, because I'm an Urbana dude right. since way back. And the owners of those venues really put forth a lot and a lot of investment into musicians and giving people a place to have their art put on display. And I think that that's one of the places where I feel like members of my generation kind of fell off when the last of the Gen Xers kind of made their exit from like really always promoting stuff always putting stuff on we never picked up in quite the same way that they did it makes me feel good to see that even regardless of us not doing that the scene continues you know and yeah. I think it's really vibrant I will probably always live in like towns with good music scenes because that's like my bread and butter in the world I mean I've yeah. lived in Nashville I've lived in Portland, I've lived in Eugene, Oregon, I've lived in Champaign-Urbana, and each one has a music scene, and they're all pretty similar, you know? Mm, it's interesting. And none is better than the other one, none has like uh, something in the water that makes people better at doing mm. it, but they each kind of have their own flavor, and they each have their own je ne sais quoi that makes them cool, you know? My good friend Matt Appy. He said that the, the biggest problem that the Champaign-Urbana music scene has is people talking too much about it. Because mm. those shows go down regardless, you know? There's yeah. always going to be a dope artist with a sultry voice like Kenna May who is sure. going to end up on a Rose Bowl stage playing some great songs that they wrote, you know? Yeah. And there's been so much hype, I think, around Champaign-Urbana music that it's it's easy to kind of get disappointed because the hype doesn't always live up to mm. what you end up with. Sure. But you always end up with the same thing, and it's always cool. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? And I think that was one of my big issues 
that I had personally when I lived here. And a couple years ago, you invited me onto this podcast and I shut you down. And a lot of that was based on me and my own work around pieces of disappointment that I had when I was performing here. When I think really looking back on it and being being back here and going to the bars and going to the parties and seeing all my friends is that this town has an amazing music scene and it will probably always have that. Before I jump into the whole what makes a good music scene, I wanted to ask you about, well, maybe just kind of bring up and then get your take on if they're a musician, if they are any type of artist, what have you, there's a reluctance to get something down and recorded and put in place and when you mentioned before, you know, that this the song that apparently was the favorite song you wanted to talk about is one that you never want to hear again. Mm-hmm. I, I think that it's important that people understand that even though you may not like it or you may not think that... How do I say... Sorry, if I, if I say this wrong, but I'm, I mean it in the nicest way, is even if you don't... If this isn't the song that you like or if it's one that you think you could have done better recording and which i'm sure you could but the thing is i want people to understand that you still appreciate that it exists because it stands as like this this moment in time i may need to clarify yeah i do like the song i'm just so tired of it Like, I mean, yeah. do, do you think Snoop Dogg likes gin and juice? Well, I doubt it. No. <laughs> you know? Sure. Uh, well, you know, it, there, there's something you brought up there that I really want to address because it's something that I notice in a lot of my friends who I collaborate with is kind of the reluctance to put something down and the reluctance to commit to a recording or commit to a verse. And one of the beautiful parts about doing the Depth album in this song is that this was a throwaway beat. That was intended to practice guitar on, and it ended up being useful for something. And I think that all those little pieces of music that you make that you don't think much of at the time become useful for something eventually. Mm -hmm. And I feel like in my own creative process, I was able to really open myself up as an artist when I started just throwing things down for the sake of throwing them down and then moving on to the next one, you know? And I think that that's something... I know a lot of really great songwriters and producers and rappers and so on and so forth who kind of just sit on stuff and they, they leave it, they come back to it, so on and so forth. And I have no beef with that, but I think that for me, it's really liberating to just be able to throw together a song mix it, put it out, or put it into my SoundCloud library, or it's not even, sure. it doesn't even really need a big release because eventually all that stuff becomes useful. I think of it kind of in the same concept as the song has one path to get to and it has a home where it'll live eventually. And so like my group LBS, which is hashtag LBS, I do movie scores and sure. film work and audio editing and stuff like that. And I was working on a film and the rapper who had a song in there never responded to them about signing the paper and so they were like what other song do you have and we had this song called the reckoning that was a banger it was produced by dj belly we liked it a lot but it had never found we had never found a place on a album or an ep to put it 
and it ended up going on the soundtrack and it's underneath a nice party scene and we released it with the soundtrack itself which has always been a dream of mine to just be like a band on a soundtrack or something and the thing i think that's cool about it is is that that's where that song was meant to go and so with all those little pieces of music that you don't really think that much about at the time they probably have a home somewhere that you don't even know and all you need to do is to keep yourself open to finding where they need to live I've made it my subtle, maybe not so subtle mission to encourage more musicians to just just record it. Just get it done. Get it out there. Or yeah, not. Well, or just know, but just make sure that it's recorded somehow. Cause yeah, it, yeah. And honestly, like I do a lot of mixing of phone recordings. Like people with the iPhone headphones, singers with iPhone headphones going over a beat in their phone or voice memo or something like that, they send it to me. And I clean it up. And it becomes a song, and it goes to find a place to live somewhere, you know? I think that right now we live in the best time that there's ever been to create music, and to create music cheaply, like the guitars that we have now. Like, I have a little souped-up Chinese Telecaster on the floor right here, and this is eight times as good as any guitar that I would have got when I started out for that cost. Like yeah. it cost 180 oh, yeah. bucks and now it's my main axe. I'm dragging it all over the country right now. <laughs> right. Oh yeah. You know, and so I think like really we live in we live in a time where of abundance. And if you live in a time of abundance, why not capitalize? Why not eat sure. good food all the time? <laughs> you know? Sure. <laughs> so what do you think makes a good music community or a good music scene i can tell you definitely what i think makes a bad music community and that is ego and that is clickiness you know and 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 every place i've lived i've encountered a fair amount of clickiness portland in particular it's Hmm. a very 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 clicky clicky music scene and so for a good music scene I, i really think it's openness in the people who are at the top in the people who are being successful to kind of elevate those around them. Nashville is a great example of that because Nashville obviously is one of the music meccas of the world and the way that at least the rock scene works there is by being really, really, really supportive to one another. And when you have that kind of supportive environment, you get guitar players playing in a few different bands. You get people coming out to shows who are also in bands who then network and put on their own shows with the bands that they really liked, you know? I think that it's that kind of, like, that kind of attitude of being, like, the water's fine, hop on in here, you know? We're getting down, we're partying, we're going to Dirty Feather shows, you know? We're going to see Megan Johns play at Hands, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah. Just just kind of, like, dope stuff like that where you, you really support those around you. And I think that the kiss of death really is always ego. At least that's been one of the biggest things that I've battled within myself to make myself into the person who I really want to be. And really, aside from that, you know, you need a place to play. Within a music scene, there are a bunch of roles that don't get props. Venue owners are one of them. Sound guys are another one. Door workers, bartenders, the crowd. I saw Less Than Jake this past weekend in Chicago. And it was a great experience because back in the day, I did not think that I was cool enough to be at a Chicago punk rock show, and I'm still not. (laughs) But the thing about it that was so crazy is that Less Than Jake, they're a 90s band, and they've been touring since the 90s, and so they are on point. They are excellent musicians. They play ska punk better than anybody I've ever seen, and they were playing the best that they'd ever seen because they were in Chicago. 
and right. Chicago gets down in a certain way. And the Chicago venues are set up in a certain way. And then kind of like that whole aesthetic is something in that music scene that that touring band comes into. And they're like, we are in our element here. We can right. truly kill it. And I think that that's one of the things that's important is in building a music scene and then maintaining it is enthusiasm. You know, sure. and really, if you don't have a community that's super enthusiastic, you won't be in a good place to do something. So I think really kind of my final thought on really what makes a good music scene is enthusiasm. As a member of it, you need to be enthusiastic about the, right. the community that exists around you and be enthusiastic about existing in that community. And I think it's a collective effort, you know? I mean, I'm like a socialist and everything, but I think that there's something really important in collectivism in terms of uh, bringing people together musically. Champagne is also a band podcast is proud to support Exile on Main Street. Exile on Main Street, located in the old train station building at 100 North Chestnut Street in downtown Champaign, has been helping to build record collections since 2004, carrying a wide array of new and used LPs, CDs, and video games. Exile on Main Street has something for just about any music enthusiast and old school gaming devotee. Exile also hosts regular free live music shows on its stage, so be sure to check out their Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter pages for the up-to-date details on the next upcoming event. Open seven days a week, they can be reached by phone at 217-398-MAIN. That's 217-398-6246. Welcome back. So, Shannon, what is your favorite non-musical thing or things? I would definitely have to say at this point, adventure. Adventure. <laughs> you know, that's that's the thing that we're, we're a place where I'm at in my life now is seeking adventure. And it's a nice little tie-in to the piece of music that we've been talking about today. That's sort of what gets me out of bed in the morning is discovery and refinement and experience and that's sort of the thing i think that i search for in inspiration like when people ask me what my influences are yeah adventure would probably be like before wu-tang clan <laughs> yeah <laughs> or before the beatles or led zeppelin or something like that yeah. you know yeah because i think really like as a musician i am most into the journey I like sure. the final product that gets released and then you have to promote it. That's all work to me. What is important to me is all of the time that I put in practicing before going into the studio or all the beats that don't really make it onto the project or making the beat that does get onto the project and mm. the lyrics that I put onto that project. You know, it's mm. that whole kind of creative process that really gets me high yeah. and really gets me excited about doing music and, and and i think it comes from a place of adventurousness if anyone were to ever ask me what would make them into a successful musician it's really that curiosity and yeah. that spirit of exploration so what do you see as your next big adventure 
Uh, well, that is a very good question. Uh, my next big adventure, I'm on, I'm on a small adventure right now. I'm in Champaign for the next week or so, and then I'm going down to New Orleans. I'm taking the train, so it'll kind of sure. be like a poetic Tom Waits-ish sort of journey right. from uh, Chicago to New Orleans. <laughs> and then I'm uh, going to stay in Ireland for a couple of months. So that's cool. my next big adventure. I'm going to stay on a horse ranch and learn how to play some Irish mandolin. And nice. Work on my drinking problem and uh, come right. back to the states and start a metal band in Portland. Metal, huh? Yeah, uh, yeah. I actually I had auditioned for a rap metal band right before I left on vacation. <laughs> I think it'll be a cool project. <laughs> nice, nice. I think one of the things about adventurous, the adventurous nature, is that you are open to stuff like that. You know, sure. you're open to playing some metal. You're open to playing Irish music in six eight, which I really suck at playing in. Like the three four time signature is not my friend. Yeah. Hip-hop normally does not work in those parameters. I mean, they, they kind of do with the triplet flow. The, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. That the like, trap rappers do in this day and age, but for the most part, it's 4-4, and so, like, learning huh. Irish music is, like, a way to break my mind out of that sure. box sure. of four beats into a box of three beats or six beats or whatever. Yeah. So, Shannon, thank you for being on the show. Thank you so much for having me. You know, I I really feel blessed to be here and to be part of this, you know, and to kind of put down my thoughts on music in this town. This town means a lot to me, and so it means a lot to be here. You got anything you'd like to plug? I got some things, yeah. First and foremost, uh, my group, LBS, which is a collaboration between everybody's favorite champagne DJ, DJ Belly, and my good friend Element up in Chicago. We have a new album in the works. We just laid down five songs while I was up there visiting, and we now kind of have 15, and we're whittling it down into our second album. In addition to that, we have a remix project that involves a bunch of international producers. We have some guys on there from Australia, New Zealand, and Mm. Norway, and one guy from the UK, and I think one person from the very, very exotic place of Northern Florida. <laughs> Northern Florida. <laughs> uh, so, so there's a remix project that's going to come out of some of our songs. And then last but not least, we have Depth. Possibly my last solo album of life is going to be coming to all the streaming platforms probably around mid-August 2023. Well, I definitely say never say never. I mean, you could always come back to it, oh, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No. No, and I, and I actually, I have been feeling the urge to kind of do some solo music again, which is something I really haven't felt in many, many years. When I left Champagne, hmm. I, I stopped performing solo and haven't really stepped on a stage by myself since. You know, I've, I've done some guest spots and I've played in some bands uh, doing rhymes and stuff like that in the Pacific Northwest. But really, for the most part, I, I left that part of me here in Champaign and so you might be right it might be time to pick that up again Thank you for listening to Champagne is also a band podcast. This is Shannon Soares reminding you that great music is always out there. Go find it where you live.
looking for something fun to do? Street Fest is happening in Campus Town September 9th from 1 to 7 p.m. Enjoy free live music and dance performances, shop local vendors, and explore a global array of restaurants during Chow Down in Campus Town. Presented by JSM Living and the City of Champaign and powered by the Champaign Center Partnership. More details at ChampagneCenter.com. That's a wrap. Champagne is also a band. You almost have an NPR voice. It's so good. Studio <laughs> on the inside. No, that's some bullshit. You are mm. playing Pygmalion.